is bullshit. You, you can quote, make that your ringtone. It's, it's bullshit. bullshit. Hashtag it's bullshit. Coming at you from hot, 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 so really fucking hot right now, Southern California, this is The Keeg. I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira, and today we got a lot of news for you guys. Not general news, we're not talking politics necessarily here. We're talking comic books, we're talking movies, TV, we're talking geek, right? But I just can't do this alone, that's why I've brought my two confidants. On my left, I have Daniel Romero. Daniel, say hi. Hi there. Uh, Daniel, say your favorite thing about me. Um, you always have really good hair. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that way about myself, but I appreciate it. That's what I'm here for. I wish I had better hair, but thank you. You're so nice, Daniel. I do it again. On my right, we have Hero Carlisle back again. Hello, hello, hello. Hero, name your favorite thing about yourself. Um... My undying devotion to Dimitri Pereira. Ah, that was a twofer right there. I was not paid to say that. No. Nobody's getting paid to say anything here. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm leaving. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Daniel. Was that news to you? Yeah. Oh, uh, well. It is now. I'm okay, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. You well, that's what we do here. The news. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news. Nobody gets paid. Um, so to start off this... Uh, episode of The Keeg, uh, just to get to know you guys a little bit more, because I've never met you guys before in my life. We're going to play a game called Two Truths, One Lie, Geek Edition, right? This isn't, you know, I got my, lost my first tooth when I was eight. That is actually a truth. That's my personal truth. It was a little bit late, uh, I know, but that's not geek related. So I can't use that in my thing. But Two Truths, One Lie, we're going to see what we think it was and what your lie was. Sounds good? Yeah, let's do this. Hero, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I'll go first. Okay. Um, one, uh, at Comic-Con 2012, John Landis touched me on the shoulder and whispered into my ear. Two, on a cruise, Brian Azzarello writer of New 52's Wonder Woman, as well as 100 Bullets, cried in front of me talking about Trump's inauguration. Three, Scott Snyder, writer of Batman, let me hold his baby. One of these is a lie. The other two are true. Regardless, you've lived quite an interesting life. Because if two of those are truths, then that's pretty cool. Hmm. What do you think, Daniel? Uh, I'm going to say he didn't hold the baby. Hmm, okay. Uh, I'm going to say it was the John Landis one, whispering sweet nothings into your ear. That's a lie. I want that to be true. It is, in fact, true. Yes. The lie is I did not hold Zack Snyder's baby. Oh. Or Scott Snyder's baby. Yeah, Zack Snyder's baby. Either one. Either one. Yeah. He did not hold their baby. Yeah, I was at Comic-Con... Outside, I was walking 
um, and I saw John Landis and immediately recognized him. He was talking to his son, Max, who was there promoting Chronicle, I believe. Um, and the weird thing was no one was starstruck. Here I am looking at like an amazing director and I, I stop. I, I cannot move. I'm just looking at him kind of agape. A, a um, and as he kind of makes eye contact with me, but he keeps, you know, he goes back to talking to his son. And if you've ever seen Max, um, he's a very intense guy. So he's just like talking about something. Um, and he and John Landis is just kind of talking back to him as they walk by. And as they pass me, uh, John Landis just taps me on the shoulder and then he kind of leans in and he says, no one will ever believe you. And then he keeps walking. <laughs> and it was pretty cool. Um, and then I did actually spend four days with Brian Azzarello on a Comic-Con cruise in January uh, where we talked about all sorts of stuff. Um, very little comic books because he did not want to talk about that. But we did talk an awful lot of politics and he was pretty lit and he cried. He said, uh, how could we go from Obama to this asshole. So we do talk politics here. There we go. Um, it's just tangentially through comics. <laughs> Daniel, do you got some? So, uh, one, mm -hmm. I recorded a uh, polka album. Two, I met Nicolas Cage walking out of an Udon shop. And three, I've never seen Blade Runner. He mispronounced polka, so that kind of makes me think he hasn't done a polka album. Oh, but it's so weird, it just might be true. Yeah, that, that like, I could be mistaken, and he's like, well, the Polish pronounce it polka. Um, <laughs> like, Nicolas Cage loves noodles. This is a well-known fact. Is it? It's a well-known fact. He loves two things, cake and noodles, and he hates bees. I gotta have the udon! Where's my cake? <laughs> is, it, is that your Nicolas Cage? Sure, why not? <laughs> on the back of this udon bowl it's the map of the declaration of independence that didn't make actually any sense and there's I, no I map feel of like, the declaration i feel of like a lot of people haven't actually seen blade runner which is why blade runner the sequel is going to do so poorly in the film <laughs> oh my god it's going to be so bad uh which is great because the first one did poorly as well uh, that's the great irony. So I'm my vote is he did not make a polka album because there's no such thing as polka. Uh, I think that you have seen Blade Runner. I'm going to pick that one. I'm going to pick it. Uh, the lie is that I've I have never seen Blade Runner because you have. Mm -hmm. yeah! yeah! Damn. He's correct. He tricked me with the polka polka. Ooh, polka polka. Polka polka. polka. Yeah. If anybody can figure out what that reference is, I will give you a kiss right <laughs> now. <laughs> I'll do it again. Polka polka. So I was recording that album in uh, Salt Lake City with a friend of mine. <laughs> and, uh, okay. It was yeah, John it Candy and Home Alone. It was technically oh. um, his band, but I recorded the album with him. Oh, that's cool. pretty great. Wait, John Candy was in Home Alone? Yes, yeah. John Candy is the polka king of uh, Poughkeepsie, Michigan. Poughkeepsie? And yeah, it was something like that. And he's like, maybe you've heard some of my stuff, uh, polka disco, polka all night. And then he goes, polka, polka. Oh, I don't I don't remember. I, do I don't remember that. actually yeah. Home Alone 1. Get Home your Alone 2. childhood back, okay. guys. <laughs> Home Alone 2 was the one that I, like, because I own that on VHS, so I watch that continuously. The one with Trump? Yeah. 
and Rob Schneider and, and Tim. Oh Curry. my god! Oh my god! I love the Tim Curry, Rob Schneider parts of that movie. Mm-hmm. They are fantastic. It's almost like I didn't want the Wet Bandits at all. I just wanted more hijinks with uh, the hotel. I think that would have actually been cooler, right? If if he set traps around the hotel. That yes, he would have gone to prison though. Or juvenile hall, I guess. But yeah, all Guantano. right. Hey, yeah. hey, let, okay. So uh, uh, not really. His parents would have paid for everything and been like, "Oh, let's just hush this all." They're up. not that rich. It was a simpler time back then. Um, they had the three-story house. Did you see the size of that thing? That's true. What did his dad do? That is the true question. We will find out on next episode of the Keeg. <laughs> um, Bring it my to two you. truths. Uh, yeah, yeah, one Dimitri. line. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, one, I have peed next to David Ramsey from Arrow. Two, I have peed next to Mickey Rooney. Three, I have peed next to Kevin Sorbo. I'm sensing a theme. Um, okay. Yes, they're all geek-related. Oh, well, yes. Kind yes. of. Is Mickey Rooney no, be- a geek-related thing anymore? He is, he is. Okay. I think peeing is. Peeing is a geek thing. Yeah. Only geeks pee. Well... Here's here's my logic behind this. So, Dimitri goes to a lot of cons. And it's theoretically possible that lower list celebrities would have to use generic bathrooms with people. So, I'm going to say he has peed next to Kevin Sorbo, which, you lucky son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> and I'll say, yeah, you did pee next to the guy from Arrow. Yeah, yeah. I do not believe you peed next to Mickey Rooney. I don't think that man pees. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say I don't think he peed next to Kevin Sorbo. I don't, yeah. Okay. That's my vote. Uh, the lie was Kevin Sorbo. I've never peed next to Kevin Sorbo. I have peed next to Mickey Rooney. He's very small compared to the urinal. Uh, and David Ramsey, uh, he, it was in a special theater screening of the crossover episodes of Flash and Arrow that I went to. And oh. so he, yes, he, that was the only bathroom. There's no VIP bathrooms there. Oh, okay. But um, uh, yeah, I've only peed next to Mickey Rooney and uh, David Ramsey. Never Kevin Sorbo. But I met him outside the bathroom, though. Oh, seconds away from peeing. If you think about it. Yeah, you almost saw his thunderbolt. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the lion of Nemea. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he calls it. Uh, that's a little mythology joke for all you Greek mythology fans out there. Uh, so, moving a little bit away from Greek mythology, uh, let's talk about some news in the geek world right now. Let's talk about some modern mythology, shall we? Surely. Recently, there was uh, a little bit of a director change on the Han Solo movie. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller have been ousted. Um, there are rumors why. But Ron Howard is now directing the Han Solo movie. Okay. Uh, we're talking the spin-off slash standalone sequel, right? The prequel uh, Han Solo movie. The movie that should not be. The young Han Solo movie, yes. Uh, rumors have indicated that it's really because that Phil Lord and Chris Miller were trying to make more, it more of a comedy and less of a Star Wars movie. So some people were thinking more of a comedic western Right, and will that fit with Disney's way of doing Star Wars now? Well, I feel like uh, that rumor doesn't have a lot of like legitimate base because they're so far into physical production. They only have three months left. That would mean if it was more of a a a, 
a comedy western, uh, they would have known about that a year ago. Like they would have been okay with it from the first shot. Like I, 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 I don't know what happened. They've been all very quiet about it, but I seriously doubt because I've also read that, that Lord and Miller have basically given up any claim to the film. Like they're not getting residuals. They're not, really? they're not getting credit. They're not getting anything. They just dropped. That's what I've heard. Um, so I, I doubt it's a creative thing in that way. I think it has much more to do with contracts, if, if I'm being honest. Okay. Keep in mind that Chris Lord and, um, or Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Yeah. Chris Lord and Phil Miller. No, Phil. Phil Lord and Chris, Chris Miller. Miller. I always get mixed up. Just like Trey Parker and Matt Stone. I get, I get those uh, first names. I heard thought happening. Yeah. I, I almost mixed that up. Um, but, they, I mean, they left The Flash, right? They were supposed to do The Flash. They were. And they were one of the directors, and then that dropped. There have been, like, five that. directors that have dropped The Flash recently. Uh, um, I also think it might have something to do with the fact that Lord and Miller are helming the animated Spider-Man film for mm, Sony. Mm. And I know that Sony and Disney are kind of having a fight right now over Spider-Man. Well, to answer your question about whether it's in line with what Disney wants for Star Wars, I think yes is the answer. With the um, Force Awakens, they allowed themselves to have funnier moments, and I don't think that this would be out of the vein for them to do a straight-up comedy with something with a character that people love so much, and it's, it's fine because he gets into crazy hijinks, you know? Um, That's true. I, and it, it definitely goes against, for the fans, something to where they expect more space opera, but you can't have space opera every day for dinner like it, mm. it's too much to gonna spoil your appetite yeah it's yeah. too heavy for you every day no no very true very true and rogue one was so heavy oh rogue one was super heavy like so i think that's why they're like we need something kind of light to if so, if you're sitting down and watching this series you need something light to go against everything that just happened with rogue one so i i do think yes it is something that they were planning on doing I don't know if I agree or disagree that it's the right choice, but it definitely fits with a pattern. Yeah, well, it's absolutely the wrong choice. They should, like, from a narrative standpoint, from, like, a storytelling standpoint, the whole arc that Han Solo has in the original A New Hope is he's a bad guy who ditches kind of. them. He's a bad guy. Is who it, he's, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. I think we're going to have to he's, argue. He's not... An imperial, unredeemable, evil villain. Nazi, he's greedy. Yeah. He's he kills people. Opportunistic. He's out for himself. He's definitely on the. He might be. He's definitely not chaotic good. If we're gonna use no. that, he's like chaotic neutral, chaotic evil. Mm. No, chaotic evil is the worst. Like no, there no, is no would, worst. Well, you know what I mean. There, there. I mean, there. Like you can't. The well, I would argue chaotic neutral for sure. Yeah. But that doesn't mean chaotic neutral to neutral chaotic evil neutral. because he he does do some stuff and he talks about some stuff that are pretty shady but by the end of the film he comes back he puts himself at risk and he proves himself to be a hero that is his arc in that film if you then show an earlier point in his life where he does the exact fucking same thing then that negates the character growth he had in the original series it undermines his growth in the original film because then we know he's coming back to save Luke in the Death Star Trench. Uh, 
it undermines his whole it undermines the whole narrative by making him a good guy. The, Not necessarily because if you look at the basic structure of Star Wars to begin with, it has that sort of circular structure. I think that they may start him off as somebody who started off as good mm. and could eventually go he went down a very dark path. Yeah, that's and pretty much the, the only the way you could do it. Yeah. Which is is very in line with Star Wars and their ideas of taking good and going evil and coming back, and yeah. it's about duality. Redemption and, and duality. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, I mean, does Disney have the balls to take a good <laughs> Han Solo and have him be a bad guy by the end of the movie? I think Disney does. I don't think George Lucas does. George Lucas was the one who did Greedo shot first. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Disney did and Rogue George One Lucas. where Cassian... Cassian killed that guy in the beginning. George Lucas wears a shirt that says Han shot first. George Lucas just cares about the dollar dollar bills, y'all. And he put Greedo getting shot first or shooting first and created the controversy just so he could sell more versions of the film. No. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think that he originally was like, this is a good idea. And then the entire fan base was like, that's a terrible idea. And he's like, okay, I guess it was a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if you, if, if, he's talked about it in interviews himself. He was like, I didn't want kids to look at Han Solo as a bad guy. Then why did you write him that way yeah. 25 years ago? Yeah, what you should say is that kids should watch it and be like, even though I may have done some bad things in the past, I can still be good now. There's always redemption, right? Yeah. So with with Han Solo, I just envision him more of as a Cassian Andor type guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting anecdote. Donald Glover is saying in interviews that uh, whatever he's doing on the Han Solo film is like the most satisfying work he's ever done as an actor, which is really weird. Hmm. I'm 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 so curious. Like Lando Calrissian is my favorite character in yeah. Star Wars, so I'm super duper jazzed. And Donald Glover is like one of my favorite creators right now. So it's 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 like a, a match made in heaven. But that's just such a weird thing to say. To be like, yeah, yeah. playing Lando Cal, playing like playing Billy D. Williams is the most satisfying thing I've ever done in my career. I'm just like, that's really weird. I'm curious. Yeah. Um, moving a little bit away from Star Wars is the release of the new title of the Jurassic World movie. So Jurassic World 2, right? But it's it's still in the franchise. Uh, so Jurassic World 2 is what? Jurassic Park 5? <laughs> is that how it works? Uh, Fallen Kingdom is the title for the new Jurassic World movie. Uh, I think it's too early to say what's going on or like I mean like really what do you what is it like what do we care about the title? Like it's no Attack of the Clones. Right. By the way, worst title of a Star Wars movie ever. Ever. Attack of the Clones. It is, dude. It so is. I, I'm trying to think of a worse one, and uh, I think Christmas special comes to mind. Okay, that doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't count. Right, Non-canonical. Yeah. Oh, okay. It doesn't count. As far as the movies are concerned, Attack of the Clones is now, a horrible Now, you could title. get away with the Ewok adventure films. Yes. That doesn't count. I'm talking about the actual like feature films. Okay. Those were feature films. What about what about the books? All Ooh. those books that don't matter now, too. Ooh, they, they, they had, had better names. Heir to the Throne, or Heir to Shadow the, of the uh, Mind's Eye, The Rule of Two. Yeah, Vader. It was Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I keep correcting you. I, I would like oh, to. Yeah. I'm going to do a, a, a formal apology to Hero on this show. Hero, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for correcting you all the time. I'm going to keep correcting you, by the way. No, I know you are. You can't <laughs> help yourself. Quit being wrong. 
I'm going to make that that little audio clip my ringtone just so I can hear it every time. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Fallen Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, Fallen Kingdom sounds an awful lot like Lost World. Lost World sucked. So my prediction is this one's going to suck. Interestingly enough, Ian Malcolm's coming back. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I was going to make a joke about how it's a Fallen franchise, but hey. <laughs> I, I liked Jurassic World because you're a sucker. Because you you're a sucker. You're a no. sucker. The best part of that movie was clearly the guy walking around with the margaritas. Yes, <laughs> that was Jimmy Buffett. That was Jimmy Buffett. I stand by my statement. Yeah, <laughs> no, I love Jimmy Buffett. No, I mean, how? Like, oh, you're a sucker. How more <laughs> obvious could they have made it that that film was a cash cow by literally highlighting how many? Like everything yeah, I about that, I think that was a, they created. I, I no, think not that just was the, the absurd point, dinosaurs, though. but the like the product placement that they they overemphasize the product placement to show that they're overemphasizing product placement. Yes, they literally have a guy who says the original park was better. What the park that never opened and killed a shit ton of people? You idiot! No, that's supposed to be you, the dumbass fucking audience. And then they literally have uh, B D Wong say it's not my fault that this happened. You kept pushing me to make bigger and better monsters faster for the dumb audience to be oogled at, and now they're not happy. It's like literally the whole film is designed to be a fuck you to everything about what is wrong with the filmmaking industry right now. And I'm fine with that. Okay. I'm personally fine with that. Just like, in jo- just like in Josie and the Pussycats, the whole thing was about subliminal advertising and they put advertising everywhere in that movie and I did not feel offended by them putting Target the target symbol on everything. They they did so much advertising. It all had a point, right? Yeah. So in Jurassic World, maybe they didn't have a point about the like natural, like the way um, Jurassic Park did as far as like, you know, life will find a way and evolution and, and you know. Well, they, they things didn't buy will the hat figure it either out. way. They didn't make a good film worthy of like watching again, not on the same caliber as the original. And they didn't make a statement, a, a hard enough statement about why would you even want, just watch the original. If you want to see the original, just watch it again. Like they didn't go either way. They were just kind of being cheeky fucking assholes about it. And, and then everybody was like, this is the greatest fucking uh, movie since the original. And I'm like... I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I love Jurassic Park, so I'm going to eat it up regardless. I personally, I have my own pitch for how you could end the whole franchise. I'm not going to do it here because one day I'm going to make a million dollars. More, maybe. That's that's not An a lot An extra money. million on top In, of all as the far millions. As, as far as the inflation uh, is concerned, that'll be like 500 bucks in a couple years. I was so. going to say 10 bucks, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so bad. the point being is I'm going to make a million off of that pitch. It's yeah. called Jurassic Park Extinction. It's gonna, it's coming to theaters in 25 years. All right, cool. So uh, moving on real uh, quick, I want to touch on the fact that Transformers 5 came out and I did not see it. Uh, Daniel did not see it, right? Correct. And Hero has seen it. I have. Even though... I asked him to see it with me, and yeah, he said no. We broke tradition. We've seen we've seen like what two, <coughs> two of them together. Yeah. Now. I, I I oh my god! I uh, I wish you were there. It was it was a waking nightmare. It would have been the same thing as four. It, right? Yeah. No. Like it. Uh, there is only so much robot destruction you can see. So here's a quick couple questions before we move on, just because I uh, well, first question, Daniel, do you like the Transformers movies? Um, yeah. Okay. Why not? Yeah. Okay, that's kind of like me. I think that uh, my order... Okay, four really sucked. I like oh, one. Yeah. I like three. Didn't like two. Didn't like four. Four was the worst. But uh, 
answer a couple questions for me before I move on cool. for Transformers 5. How many scenes had human-on-human human fighting? Uh, like three. Because in number four, it was Mark Wahlberg running uh, across like Chinese rooftops uh, after some guy. I totally disagree I with that. you on this point. I think that was the most emotionally grounded fight in the entire series because that guy tried to kill Mark Wahlberg's daughter and he was going to fight and he was like trying to fuck with Mark Wahlberg. It was like an emotionally grounded fight. Yes, it had no business being in a movie about giant robots, but it was the only part of that entire film that I legitimately cared about what was going to happen next. I, I, I disagree. Yeah, it's disjointing. Like in uh, it was like was twenty it? minutes. Wayne's World, by the way. Wayne's World Two, where they have the moment where he goes to a gas station, and the gas station attendant, instead of just giving him directions to the church, goes into this huge monologue about the time that he went to the church and met a man and yada yada yada. And it's this Oscar-winning moment, and they're yeah. totally making fun of that. But it is that jarring. Well, I would to concede. Happen. I would concede that point to you if the entire Transformers franchise was not built around the fact that no one gives a fuck about the Transformers and it's about the human lead. And the entire film was about Mark Wahlberg's character. Yes, Optimus Prime did some shit and he tamed a dinosaur, but it was about like Mark Wahlberg's growth as a that he was the main character of that film, and that fight was the emotional um, crescendo of his arc. Um, so it wasn't jarring. It just I, I can see that it had no business being in a Transformers movie. Right. But until we get it away from whoever keeps letting Michael Bay make these fucking things. Um, we are just going to get more of that because guess what? Mark Wahlberg is still the main character of this film. Yeah. Um, I Just l- what I think before we move on is just in the beginning couple movies, it was like it was very, really, really tough for humans to fight against Transformers. But now you give some Texas hick a hey, plasma he's a rifle. Hick. He's not a hick. He is, he is an engineer. He, okay. Whatever. Anyway, he you, is all, salt of the earth, Republican American. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and he doesn't want his daughter dating an older man. I, no, no mention of the daughter. Oh yeah. I think they may have said she's dead. I don't know. Okay, I'll I'll watch it. But um, all you need to do is give Mark Wahlberg a plasma rifle, and suddenly he can like take down Megatron. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. You can quote, make that your ringtone. It's, it's bullshit. bullshit. Hashtag it's bullshit. Hashtag it's bullshit. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, there's some stupid stuff in that movie. Uh, without spoiling anything, there's a secret society called the Wit Wiccans. Um, if that oh. sounds slightly familiar, yep. that is in reference to Samuel Witwicky. <laughs> yes, to Shia LaBeouf's character. There is a secret society that protects the world called the Wit Wiccans. I shit you not. What was uh? What this was going to be great? I'm so excited. Sam Witwicky's username. I forget other stupid things. Um, Megatron is completely different than he was in the last film, just yeah. like every other film. Uh, for some reason, Fergie's husband is back in this one, but no Tyrese. Oh, dude, I love them in number three when they got the gang back together. That yes. that one scene in number three. Like hit me right here. Yeah, that was good. You know three what I'm talking good. about three when they was, get the military to, uh, guys together. Three was terrible. Three was terrible. Whoa, 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 but at whoa, least whoa. It was well. I mean, the whole series is terrible. Okay, if that's the case, yes. But the three was way better than two. Yes. No Who one's in the right? Disputing this. Some people do. Some people dispute it. Well, some people say two is better than three, and that it gets worse as time goes on. But three was better than two. I promise, I'm paying attention now. 
Anyway, I just looked up his username. It was just. It was I like, have never heard someone. Are you username ladies man two one seven? And he's like, ah, 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 ladies man two one seven. It was just. Uh, I love the first one. I love it. Okay, so uh, moving on. Uh, so as we know. F- oh, actually, I oh, have yeah. some. I have some uh, Transformers news. Yeah, actually. yeah, 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 yeah. Transformers Five: The Last Night is the lowest opening in the series, with sixty nine point one million U.S. domestic box office, and two uh, two hundred and sixty five point three million worldwide against a two seventeen million budget, not including advertisement and post. Uh, meaning, this is the first one that did not make money. So hopefully, it's the last one. We can hope. Because again, I like one and three, but this has gone off the rails. Uh-huh. It was kind of off the rails to begin with. You know, you could see that trend kind of tilting, mm-hmm. you know, in the beginning, but uh, it is here's, a Here's a question crash. that I have about the Transformers universe. How do they keep getting Academy Award winning actors to participate in these films? Like Mark Wahlberg, Academy Award winning actor. Stanley Tucci is in this one and was in the last one too. Oh, yeah? A S- Academy Award winning actor. Uh, John Voight. Um, John Turturro. John Turturro. Uh, Kelsey Grammer, one the highest paid actor on television of the '90s. Patrick like, Dempsey. Patrick Dempsey, like uh, John Malkovich. How do they keep getting these people to be part of this? It could be a very simple answer that you know, um, I think it was Johnny Depp who started doing all of the pirates movies because his kids liked them. It could very well be that they have family that enjoy just going and seeing them in these movies. Yeah, and I can they're, see that. they're you know they don't go to. Um, think about how great John Malkovich is being John Malkovich. They go just because, hey, Uncle John is in it. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Uncle John. Yeah. Um, so, as we all know, Fox, 20th Century Fox, 21st Century Fox, what is it now? I think it's still 20, I think they just go Fox. Just okay, say Fox. Fox. Uh, Fox Studios owns Fantastic Four. They haven't done one in a couple years since the last reboot. Word is that they're going to be doing another reboot. Okay, in order to keep the rights, because as we know, they have to keep making these movies in order to keep the rights unless they return it back to Marvel. I believe they have a four to five year window to keep making films, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there we go. Well, think about how many years were between Ghost Rider and then Spirit of Vengeance. That wasn't Fox, but it was uh, Lionsgate, I think. But point being is there was a good amount of years between those two. And they tried to do it. And after that, it failed. And they were like, no. And they gave it back to Marvel. Anyway, Fox is talking about doing a reboot that revolves around the Fantastic Four. But why is this any different? Well, the four they're talking about is Human Torch, which is the same thing. Okay. But then also Valeria and Franklin Richards, which are Sue Storm and Reed Richards' kids. Basically, what they want to do is a family-friendly franchise, almost an Incredibles movie of sorts, and that focuses on the thing, Human Torch, and the two kids. If you're trying to recreate The Incredibles without Brad Bird, it's going to be impossible. That's too big of a mountain to climb. Well, they're hoping that the name recognition is enough. No, right? the studio executive who announced this possible idea, because it's just exploratory. They yeah. haven't put any money yeah, into yeah, yeah. it. He literally said, we are inspired by, we want to model ourselves after The Incredibles, which is so... 
self-unaware. Yeah. Like, if that's a thing. Because The Incredibles is the Fantastic Four, right? Yeah. And now the Done Fantastic right. Four is like, well, I guess we can't do this right, so let's just do what The Incredibles did. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, like, the only way it could be any less obnoxious is if they had the balls to make it animated. Like, that would be the icing on, <laughs> on this shit cake if they were just like, and it's animated, and we'll, like, ugh. Um, Get DreamWorks to do it. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Don't do not do that, for the record. Guys, don't do that. Yeah, this do reminds remember. me a lot about what happened in the comics. So, DC first had Darkseid, and Marvel wanted their own dark side so that they created thanos so thanos was a rip of dark side and then dc was like we kind of want our own thanos and then they created mongol so it's this weird back and forth right and then it slowly just gets diluted and diluted and mongol is fine under certain circumstances and situations he had a good run in the uh the Green Lantern stuff a couple years back. Yeah. yeah. The Jeff Johns. Yeah, the one with Black Mercy and stuff. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Um, as well as Mongol was good for his one episode in Teen Titan, or not Teen Titan, sorry. Mongol was really good in his one episode of uh, Young Ford. Justice. Oh, I didn't see When that. he brought in oh, Battle yeah. World. Yeah, that was War World, sorry. War World. So, I don't know. That's something to look forward to as far as Fantastic Four is concerned. I'm excited about it if they do... As I was saying, a Silver Age kind of tip of the hat to that sort of a tip of the hat. You know, uh, I one of my favorite Batman is obviously the animated series, but also Brave and the Bold, which only lasted three seasons, but it was a complete love letter to the Silver Age. And you know, that stop you fiend, I'll defeat you with my hammers of justice. If they go that kind of route, I think, especially if they're trying to do family friendly, it'll be much more accessible. There will be the fans that hate it regardless, but I think if they give it a shot and go that route, it will be much more fun. That's optimistic. Now, my only concern, I like this idea if they came at it from a from that, if it wasn't because they couldn't do a Fantastic Four movie. You know what I mean? They're yeah. pretty much admitting they're incapable of doing a real Fantastic Four movie, so let's do this. Just give it back to Marvel, guys. They don't want to. I know. I don't think Marvel wants it either. No, Marvel Desperately wants but Fantastic. Fox is Fox is trying it. every way. No, they're trying every way to get at it from every angle. Mm. In humans, Atlanteans, space yeah. stuff. They are setting that universe up for the Fantastic Four to just drop in the center and make perfect fucking sense. Um, and they're just biding their time for that. Like seriously, Fox. You, you stupid fox. I will watch every terrible X-Men movie you put out and Deadpool if you if you just give it back. Just yeah. give Fantastic Four back. That's Wait, true. Did you not like Deadpool? No, I did like Deadpool. Oh, okay. Um I I have I have a huge issue with uh, the the entire way um X-Men does their cinematic universe from top to bottom. Um, including Deadpool. I, I can enjoy each film independent of each other, but the minute I start thinking of them as part of a larger continuity, I, I get so violently angry. <laughs> I, I want to go into Ryan Reynolds' house and just make passionate love to him. That I is mean, how angry I get. I mean, I I feel like you're just in love with Ryan Reynolds, and that's okay. You no, know? yeah, yeah. Hey, that's that's not who what Who doesn't want to sleep with Ryan Reynolds? Yeah. Hashtag, no. who doesn't want to sleep with Ryan Reynolds? A actually, no. 
<laughs> oh. But we can joke about it. Yeah, dude, totally. Um, hey, you do you, Daniel. Yeah. And you do Ryan Reynolds, too. All right. Hey, Dimitri, can I drop some quick news that I found that I'm surprised you didn't catch? But yeah, can yeah, I yeah. Just drop some quick. Uh, I'll, I'll make it super quick. Yeah, I'll that's just fine. I'll blow through. Because I, I got some, I got some more stuff to go over. So yeah, drop it. Oh, all right, all right. I I thought you were done with the news segment. All right, no, we'll do it at the end. We'll do it at the end. No, what do you got? What do you got? Okay, first, first, Holly Hunter, the senator from Batman v Superman, says sometimes I take a movie that I know is not great. Um, Wonder Woman on track to make more money than Iron Man 1. There we uh, go. Yeah. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, I'm, I'm projecting it's going to be called Spider-Man Winter Formal to yeah. be followed by Spider-Man Sadie Hawkins and then yeah. finally Spider-Man Prom. Yeah. Um, it will be the first Marvel film post Avengers 4. That was recently announced today. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel Legacy. We talked about that uh, last time apparently is becoming the new DC reboot uh, rebirth in that they are getting rid of the no more all new all different they are going back to OG Cap OG um, Hulk and OG Thor um, and final news uh, Spider-Man Homecoming cast was released uh, among the interesting things Donald no. oh yeah uh, well th- if it's spoilers is it spoilers it's not spoilers. I heard about this one. It's public knowledge. They're releasing it. Okay. I mean, I guess if you don't want to listen to it, turn it off now. Um, come back in 15 seconds. Donald Glover is the Prowler. Michael Mandu is Scorpion. Um, Zendaya is going to be Vulture's daughter. And Gwyneth Paltrow Pepper Potts is cameoing in the next Spider-Man movie, in Spider-Man Homecoming. Those are interesting cast things they released today. Yeah, yeah. I, I read that. And what's interesting, it's it's Aaron Davis, not Hobie Brown, which I think is interesting. Yeah. That's ultimate. That is. Yeah, that's ultimate. Uh, Hobie Brown was the original, and and Aaron Davis was the, the alternate universe version that deals with Miles Morales. So, some are saying, some are saying some, some are saying... Other things. So, talking about Sony and yeah, I, that's I'm just I'm look just take these clips, internet and do what you will. Make the memes, you yeah. know. So uh, get that meme money. You gotta yeah, get that okay. meme money. All right. So, uh, Craven and Mysterio are told to be getting their own spinoffs with Sony. Now, again, this isn't like ipso facto, you know, um, stuff, but like the fact that you would even think about it. Oh, yeah, we do have to do an editor's note for those six people who listened to the last episode and are listening to this. Yes. Um, We don't know if the Spider-Man-verse is connected to the MCU. Everybody's arguing about it. Everybody's arguing about it. It's a civil war. So we, editor's note, there is no confirmation that it is actually part of the MCU. Right. Uh, We will keep you updated on the Keeg Presents all Spider-Man news all the time. Yeah. Um, Why would... Do, do any of these companies not do they know how to do these shared universes really? Right? You're, are you telling me there's going to be a Craven movie, maybe a Craven sequel, and then there's going to be a Mysterio movie, and then a Mysterio sequel, and maybe Vulture will get his own movie, and then all these Sinister Six people will come together to form the Avengers? I mean, the Sinister Six. How does this make sense? Well, uh, you know, um, I'm still waiting for Blade Four, so. <laughs> you know Wesley Snipes has been like petitioning, commissioning, like trying his hardest to get into the MCU. 
as as Blade. I'm it would sure be an, he is. It would be an easy fit actually to just say that Blades one, two, and three were part of the MCU. Oh yeah, retroactive. They, yeah. yeah, it would be easy. Oh yeah, I, I'm sure he he probably saw all of that and was like, "Who doesn't want some of that Marvel money? Look at oh, that, yeah. some of uh, that Marvel money." Apparently, almost Fox. as good as meme money. Yeah, right. Yeah. Almost as good as meme money. All right, so piece of news and something I wanted to talk to you guys about. This is serious stuff, guys. All right. Uh, in the comics, Wonder Woman is is going to be getting a brother. Okay? My personal opinion about this is she has two plus sisters already, right? She has Donna Troy, and then Cassie Sandsmark is, is not really a sister-sister, but... Ish. You know, ish, right? Doesn't she also have a black sister named Nubia? She does, which everybody is bringing up nowadays. Um, that's fine. Do it. Do with it what you will. She was a forgotten character for so long, yeah. and now people bringing her up. All right, fine. Uh, Nubia too. But the point being is, why does Wonder Woman need a brother? Uh, this is just my little rant. I. I remember, okay, so I remember just being younger and being like, why isn't there a guy version of Wonder Woman, right? There's a girl, Hulk, there's She-Hulk. Way to be sexist. Okay, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Way to be be a misogynist. You say your thing, I'll say my thing. Quit interrupting, all right? Jesus. (laughs) Uh, You know, there's a girl, Hulk, right? There's Batman and, and there's the girl, Batwoman and Batgirl and whatnot. Why doesn't Wonder Woman have a guy? So... That was something I used to think about. And then I was like, why does there need to be one, right? Why does there need to be this guy version of Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman is based off of the Amazons, right? They're all women. It's it's not, you don't need to shoehorn a guy in there to make guys feel like Wonder Woman is accessible, right? Because I feel like that's what this is. And all you fuckers out there that are complaining about a girl Thor, and it's not even Thor. It's not Odin's son, okay? Spoiler alert, it's Jane Foster, all right, all you fuckers out there who are complaining about girl versions or colored versions, they're not even versions, they're successors to the mantle out there. You guys are complaining about that, but no, you need Wonder Woman to have a brother? Why? Is she not accessible enough for you? I mean, these are the same people that probably complained about the fact that there was an all-female screening of yeah. Wonder Woman in the first place. Right, why, why, why don't they allow guys in? Well, guys, first of all, fuck a lot of shit up, all right? Okay? We do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> and so, why does Wonder Woman need a brother? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me, all right? Her whole theme isn't about that, right? It isn't. And so, I don't think it's necessary. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any quick uh, things to say before I post you guys a question. Um, n- no, I... We'll see is my ultimate stance because they're gonna do it. It's they're gonna do it. So we'll see. Yeah. Um there's there's no mighty power that I have to fix that. Yeah. Closest thing they've gotten to it was during um Wonder Woman one year later, which was about seven, eight years ago, nine years ago maybe, uh, where Hercules came in and he had Wonder Woman's gauntlets and garb. And he was, because Wonder Woman had left, essentially. She had stopped being Wonder Woman for a year in their time. And Hercules, and by the way, Hercules of that universe is is a dickhole. Um, he is a dickhole. Hercules of Marvel is also a dickhole, but not in a rapey way. Hercules of the DC universe raped Hippolyta. So uh, that's the mythology. That's, like, the thing. So anyway, the point being is, and then he's wearing Wonder Woman's stuff. So, or, like, a male approximation of it. But did you have something real quick? Um... 
my opinion of the current comic book, uh, mainstream comic book industry, is it is a rotting corcus be- being picked at by the vultures of the film and television industry that hasn't had an original fucking thought in about 15 years. So this is par for the course. Um, I'm just going to continue not to read anything that is published currently by either of the big two, and I'll stick to Dark Horse and hope a new Hellboy comes out eventually. Yeah, it is actually. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Uh, what I thought was actually original for Wonder Woman, the movie, was that Wonder Woman never fought in World War One. In certain iterations, she fought in World War Two. But the fact that they did World War One, and they ki- they had her like start there was original. Oh yeah, yeah. You well, know, I'm, which is cool. No, the films are original. I'm just talking specifically about the comic book industry themselves have done nothing but kind of rehash ideas and blend ideas, and they just do it to give stuff for the filmmakers to pull from, and it's all a big fucking circle jerk trying to make money in a dying industry that needs, re- you know, revitalization, but it doesn't know how to do it, um, and that's that's a much larger topic. But yeah, mm. I actually did like. Uh, well, I think they had to for uh, Wonder Woman with the moral ambiguity of World War One as opposed to kind of the evil empire versus the rebels yeah. that is World War II. Yeah. It just made more sense for the narrative that they were trying to tell, and also they didn't want to be Captain America. Yeah, uh, Captain America kind of is like the quintessential World War II superhero. Yeah. Um, the, so my question that I have for you guys, okay? Since Wonder Woman is getting a brother, what are some other relatives of well-known superheroes that are going to be coming out of the woodworks, right? Uh, I need your serious, not comedic answers, right? Uh, <laughs> what are some? Uh, we both got nothing. That's, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, serious. No. Okay. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, totally. Totally serious. Mm, serious. Serious. Hulk has She-Hulk, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but what about Aquaman's seahorse? Does that sound? Is that a relative? Does that count even? Maybe. maybe. I be. Uh, you could go instead of like a Superman. They could do just a uh, gender ambiguous super person. Oh. <laughs> it just reminds me of a of an actual transformer. Even uh. better. Yeah. Did you ever notice how the transformers and this is a straight steal from James Adamant, but. How they just sound like drag queens who are just done. <laughs> <laughs> Did, have you gotten that kind of? Yes. I mean, like Starscream. Starscream. Oh, yeah. Star! No, uh, he's not. Megatron. <laughs> Shut up, Starscream. They just like they're all bitchy uh, like, uh, queens. Uh, in no, the back it, it, of, a, it, of a drag show. Uh, yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. Just the Decepticons, though. Just yeah, no, just, just the Decepticons. Yeah, yeah which um, which mean, actually that would be an interesting. Take yeah. on a particular comic if they just did that, like actually the Decepticons <laughs> are, I was, I was are gay, just, and that's the whole reason. I was just thinking about like Martian Manhunter. They could really play with the idea because Martian Manhunter, being an alien, you can play with sexual fluidity and kind of gender identity. That would actually be kind of cool if, if in the comic books, uh, Martian Manhunter didn't identify by our 
binary sexual identity system. If they were like, I'm a Martian, like, I don't, uh, yeah, I'm, we don't really have gender. We don't really have gender, they and that would be like really cool because like maybe Martian Manhunter has multiple different identities, and then you could explore gender politics and things like that. That mm. could be something. That'd be cool. a really good platform mm. for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, they're never going to do it because, as I said, they're rotting corcus being picked. Uh, well, no, I think that they they undervalue Martian Manhunter. I'm way too high. That basically, <laughs> no, I think it's that DC undervalues Martian Manhunter. Oh, absolutely. As a concept, um, but no, what I what I well, scrolls in Marvel uh, are gender fluid. Yeah. Uh, you deal with that in Runaways. If you ever read it, Zavin um, starts off a guy, but then he falls in love with um, uh, Carolina, who's a lesbian, and he is then he has no problem with being a she because it doesn't matter to doesn't, to him. Yeah. and to, to be a form that that his love finds attractive. And um, so, um, no, but I was, I, I was just, I was talking about like what, cra- what, what's the craziest idea you could think of? Okay. Okay. That I was joking about the serious part. I, I was trying to wink. I was trying to say it in tone. I was trying to quote it, but. Oh, I thought you were having a stroke. I was. It's <laughs> very hot. Oh, it, yeah, it is yes. very hot in here. Yeah. Um, okay, fine. Uh, Arthur Curry Sr., father of Aquaman, his drunk brother, Alan, it's just him fishing uh, in the Bahamas. Like that's the entire, and there's cameos from other superheroes. Like like Superman crashes into the Bahamas, and he's like, "Get a job, you fucking foreigner!" And then like he throws a bottle he's at like him. Drunk it's, uncle. Yeah, it's yeah, it's drunk uncle man. But also, I feel like he would be like, you know, my nephew is a king, so I'm kind of like royalty. Oh yeah, no, he's constantly trying to get into Atlantis, or like he <laughs> keeps trying to he keeps trying to like swing jobs with the government. Like, well, you know, my brother fucked a fish, and now my my only living relative is uh, the I, king of Atlantis. I, I don't I don't think that's how it uh, worked. Hey, sir. shut up, um, Senator. I'm all actually, I'm saying I'm is just... you need to give me <laughs> some money. Can someone please get this guy out of here? <laughs> And then, like, he, or, or, like, Aquaman is just, like, Aquaman loves him, mm. like, because that's his only connection back to, like, the surface world, and he's, like, Uncle Alan, and he's, like, my paycheck, you know, <laughs> he's just, like, <laughs> the worst human ever. You got any galleons on you? Yeah. Where's all those doubloons at? That's what it is. <laughs> what, where are galleons? Is uh, that from Mary Potter? Galleons are a ship. type of ship. It's, oh, it's a yeah. ship that well, carries. I could take a ship. <laughs> I could use a ship. <laughs> you got any ships you're not using? In a dinghy and hands him a whole galleon, starts fishing with cannons. Yeah, I would, I would read that. Yeah, um, I was just thinking also it would be interesting to see like a graphic novel version of Lamb. If you guys have, like Lamb Chop, no, 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 Lamb, uh, the, um, the Gospel According to Biff, Jesus Christ's Childhood Best Friend. No, what is it? It's a it's a satire by Christopher Moore. He also did uh, Lear. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 Hmm. But uh, I, I, I nice. was just thinking of just kind of out there uh, relations yeah. to. Graphical. Yeah, that would that would pretty much be the ultimate, wouldn't yeah. it? What about uh, what about if da- uh, uh, Bruce Banner uh, had an illegitimate son, and the comic series is all about his baby mama and this little Hulk baby. And Bruce Banner's like, I don't, I don't know whether you know it's mine. And the baby's obviously green, <laughs> and, and lifting sofas above his head. You at least had the mother still alive. In my head, it went Hulk and the womb, and just yeah. Oh, gross, oh dude, God. gross. Okay, get out of here, hear man. Me out. I got, I got one. Okay, so <laughs> it's it's the kid 
who pushed the blind guy out of the way in the origin episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay. We get to see that he was, in fact, also hit with the toxic well, that's, ooze. That is... With the toxic ooze that transformed the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles into people. It blinded him. Like, I'm just spitballing here. It okay, blinded yeah, 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 yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm and, with you. And then, and then he, he also, conveniently enough, gets trained by the brother organization of the foot. Let's call him the hand. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> he gets trained by them, becomes a, like a world-class ninja, but is 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 conflicted with his own moral thing. So he goes back to New York. He doesn't quite feel good. He doesn't quite feel bad, but he's going to dare to be different. I'm saying his name is the Good Samaritan, and I think we can pitch this. To like can can we change the name from the hand to the mouth so that the foot and the mouth are a disease in New York? <laughs> oh my God! Yes. Okay. I also, I mean. Look, your oh my god, your you idea sounds you your idea sounds so similar to actually another hero that exists, and that is the Samaritan from Astro City. Oh damn it! Yeah, I, so that's, you could not see how much Dimitri was twitching, trying to prevent himself from being like, "You're talking about the Samaritan, you son of a bitch!" Stupid, <laughs> stupid, bad. Shut up, stupid. We're just uh, over here spitting ball and dumb <laughs> ideas. <laughs> um. I want to. I would. I uh, want to see a series about the restaurant that has to feed the blob. <laughs> An all-you-can-eat buffet. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, and oh, it would be really great if they were like you know like new new to America Chinese immigrants Chinese buffet, and the blob just comes in and wrecks the whole place eating wise, uh-huh. right? And I just want to see that interaction. I think it'd be great because I mean, would they charge him more than one person's worth? They would have right. They would. Probably definitely the second time he came in. The first time he came in, they would make the mistake of yeah. just being like one plate. The first time that he comes in, if they make that mistake, they're going to go out of business. Mm, that's true. Yeah, true. No, and then and then it could be like like the owner like gets super anti mutant and he starts going to anti mutant rallies and like yeah, you could explore some stuff there. These are all great ideas. So Marvel, DC, all you guys out there. Um, Pick and choose. You can pick G- one. Give us a call. Give yeah, us a call. Yeah. Um, moving on. <laughs> Daniel, <laughs> I know that you had something near and dear to your heart that you wanted to go over. Uh, yeah, and uh, thanks for thanks for letting me get this out, out there. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it, yeah, I, so the last couple of years I've been really getting into board games, and um, I have just kind of been talking about the rise of the popularity of board games because I I started picking them up um, maybe two years ago, and I was like I'm not alone in this. There's there's other people that are doing this, which is generally how board games work. They're a social thing. Um, one of the reasons I think it's become very popular lately is it's kind of the replacement for the land party that we used to have or the days when we used to play Mario Kart all together sitting down and it's it's a way for us to socialize there's some um, great narratives in those boxes and the other thing about it is that they just age better than video games 
you know, I can, there's a game called Cosmic Encounters, which came out in 1970. And to this day, it, it still holds up. And, but it's still the same narrative. It's, it's just slightly more polished mechanics now that it's on its third edition out. The reason these are working so well right now is back in 1999, if you were really into board games, you spoke German, basically, because the German board games of the time had all of these beautiful mechanics. And uh, on the same vein, Americans had these really good themes, but not really well-working um, games mechanically or really design-wise. So in the last 10 years, it's been they've married... European mechanics with American theme, which have allowed for things like Twilight Imperium to really come to the front, which is this beautiful um, space opera that takes eight hours to play with seven people. Um, I mean, that's a Damn. whole that's a whole day right there, yeah. right? Um, it's it's in, uh, the other thing is that distribution has become easier with things like Amazon, but there's also you know there's tons of little. Local board game shops. I yeah. mean, we're doing this here in Fullerton. There's Dice House right off of Chapman. I love them. Yeah, Chapman State College. Yeah, yeah, Chapman State College. There's, you know, the Shuffle Cut over in La Habra. I mean, yep. hit up your local board game shops. There's a lot of nice people in there. And even then, like, even comic book shops are selling board games, too. Yeah. And I've heard recently, up. or at least I read somewhere, that GameStop is actually going to start transitioning out of selling video games, and they're going to start selling board games. Transition so, out? Out. You're telling me games. they're not going to sell video games. They're going to start not, not as exclusive, not as not exclusively. Yeah. Yes, but they're going to have a lot more board games in there. So this is definitely picking up. Um, another thing is the sales have increased on average ten uh, percent every year until 2012, where it's skyrocketed even further. I'm I'm not exactly sure if someone wants to comment or let me know what the actual numbers are. Please do. Um, and there are also more board game bars and gastropubs showing up. There's one in Pasadena. I know that even the local board game shops that you have, they have tables where you can go in, try different things, meet people. It's it's a very social environment and very welcoming, which is nice. You know, it's not like the old days where it's just a bunch of like D&D miniatures that are all dusty and there's just one dude sitting at a counter reading his own you know, doing his own thing. What's wrong with that? There, there's nothing wrong with it, but it definitely has <laughs> everything a less, is wrong with it. That. Has a less welcoming environment compared to what they have now. Um, and I mean, there are a, a lot of great resources like this podcast that we can tell you about that sort of thing. Um, if you have any kind of interest in doing it, there are some great intro board games. Uh, Pandemic is definitely one oh, of yes. the leading. Uh, leading board games that are raising popularity of this whole genre. Um, and one of the most important, uh, interesting characters is the scientist, who's a woman right on the front of the cover. So, I mean, it's it's not just a boys club anymore either, which is also nice. Oh, that sounds like something you could come back and talk more about later. Later. <laughs> yes. I'm curious. Um, but, yeah, I mean, th- should I go into... Well, I mean, let's, I mean, let's open it up. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well, I'm done ranting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, you can put the gun down now. It's okay. <laughs> I swear to God, it's great. All right, let me get down off this box. Uh, I, I personally feel like it's all linked to the rise of geek culture, and when you have this rise of geek culture, now geek is mainstream. There needs to still be a stratification of what kind of geek you are and what the hierarchy is like. For example. 
all these things that we that used to be just for geeks back in the day for a small segment of the population are now for everyone. So what's for a small segment of the population anymore? There always has to be something, right? So these board games are rising to fill that in because back in the day, maybe maybe video games were too like like see, video games were always cool, but like you see, I, I, I don't know if I agree with that, Dimitri. I would say, in my experience, because like. Um, I'm a big D&D nerd. Uh, I have a weekly gaming session that I do every Wednesday. Yeah. Um, By the way, back in the day, nobody would admit it. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Nobody would. Um, but I will because I can kick pretty much anybody's ass. So <laughs> I'm strong. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for a really buff like like ninja to come by, and he's like, I hate D&D. I will hit him with a chair. I don't care how much of a ninja you are. He's, Chairs hurt. A, uh, but <laughs> my point being... Uh, D&D's hard to like prep for because you basically got to do everything yourself. So we would end up having weeks where stuff would fall out. And we started filling the void with, vi- uh, with uh, board games. Um, the first one we got was Risk Legacy, which um, is a great gateway because it's Risk, but it's a narrative-driven Risk. Rather than just one game, you're basically you play 10 consecutive games over however long you want. But each game impacts future games. Yeah. Like if you eliminate a player, they can't come back, and that territory has now changed. Resources have changed. It adds an interesting new mechanic to a familiar game. And then we started playing that. That was a lot of fun. Then we got Pandemic. Then we got Dead Winter. Then we got like Secret Hitler. Then we got like Sub Commander. And then we got like just like every possible like. Like, there's one called Cam- Camel Race or something. I can't remember. It's just a fun little game. Um, it's not all, it's not all like super nerdy, but what I've noticed is everyone knows how to play a board game. It's it, usually it's really simple. You explain the and rules. And if you don't, it, it's very easy to, um, well, good mechanically driven ones, they're very easy to pick up. Yeah. There's, there's not an intimidating factor to playing a board game that there is inherently with video games. I'm going to Or disagree. D&D. I'm going to pop in. I'm going to okay. pop in. I'm going to disagree. Uh, playing board games with a lot of mainstream not geek people, like, you know, sometimes you'll do like a beer and wine, like just let's mm-hmm. let's drink and play board game type nights with people who aren't necessarily used to board games. It's yes. really intimidating for them learning to play the rules. I think that we, because we're used to it, we're we're not speaking for them. Oh. But I think the mainstream public is intimidated by, Same board, by board game rules. Same token. Me, my girlfriend, you, uh, a new lady, because you're a, you're a wildcat bachelor on the street. Getting, I'm a wildcat. Getting getting laid on the reg. Uh-huh. Um, really you know, sure. and, and, yeah. uh, and, and you and your partner, I, I, I don't know, so I'm not going to presume... Because uh, I'm progressive, <laughs> we'll say we'll say you and a robot. We'll just be safe. <laughs> Daniel and a robot. Daniel, what kind of robots would you like if you did like a robot? If I did like a robot, uh, I would like all the robots. There we go. See, yeah. yeah, there we go. Yeah, see, I I played it safe. <laughs> so the the six of us, you know, um, and a couple other people. Let's say your sister, her boyfriend, something like that. Okay. Right. Um, which is more? Which are more people going to be like? Yeah, let's play. If I'm like, hey, I got this board game where we're all we're all camel races and we just go around the track, or hey, let's pull out controllers and plug in a video game that requires exact precision and all of this stuff. A lot of people are going to be like, I'd rather not. 
You know, like, yeah, there are super, like, oh, my God, I'm not talking about, like, Death Kingdom monster here. I'm not talking no, about, like, good the, Lord. the most complicated board game in human history. And also one of the most expensive. Oh, my God. It's I have, running about $400 right now? Wow. If you can find it, it's out of print. It's running, like, yeah, I found They're one making that, more, but. Yeah. Um, Beautiful game, though. I absolutely want to play but it. But, yes, I, I get there what you are, mean. I But I would tell you that there are very accessible games like Secret Hitler or The Resistance, which oh are very, God. very easy. And they're like The Resistance, one of the sexiest board games. And I know that oh. sounds weird to say, but I promise if when you look at it, I played, it just looks great. I played Secret Hitler, and I felt so uncomfortable. Um, I, I am I am Jewish. Uh, and so it was super uncomfortable because a part of the mechanic uh, of the game is like after you figure out um, you're assigned your roles, right? It's basically like um, you're basically either on uh, uh, the red or the blue side. Let's yeah, say yeah, it's it's mafia. It's, yeah, it's like it's a more absolutely. structured mafia. Yes. Um, and so like for the Nazis to determine who the Nazis are, everyone has to close their eyes and raise their hands and, as a fist. And then, if you are the Nazis, you open your you open your eyes and you make the Sieg Hail symbol. And so here I am, as as a Jewish American, surrounded by all of these white people, like with my hands up when my eyes closed. And I know I'm not a Nazi. And I and then they're like, okay, and now Nazis, open your eyes and Sieg Hail. And I'm just like, oh god, this is the worst thing I've ever been part of. But I enjoyed it. It was so much fun. So that's definitely uh, something that we did change. Uh, a- in my personal group of friends, we went with a thumbs up version, which is what they use in uh, Ultimate Werewolf. But mm. uh, the Resistance equally um, all about the red and blue side. You have your your team of rebels and then a team of spies, and you know you you only know if you are a spy who the other spies are, and yeah. it's it allows for a lot of lying in subterfuge and trying to get. Um, the, uh, the trying to get all of your stuff through and trying to figure out who the spies are. Mm-hmm. Well, even something as simple as Spyfall that you can find on you know on your phone. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, fascinating uh, stuff. I think what's really cool about board games right now in this day and age is there's something for everybody. You just gotta find it, right? Yeah, and you do have to be with people who are willing to just put put away some however many minutes it takes to learn the game first. Because there's there's almost an anxiety to it. I, I I see it on people's faces, right? Learning it, mm-hmm. they just have to be a, like not be afraid to learn it. Like I I bring Munchkin around, and Munchkin to oh my God. mainstream friends is the most is the hardest game for them to learn. And I don't know why. Munchkin is a very bad intro game. Look at something like Zombie Dice. The only reason is because Munchkin is the longest. 30-minute game ever. It usually becomes a two-hour game with yeah. my friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you, you screw up, each other. Yeah, well, exactly. It's, it's a game that's based around the premise of fuck these games. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I could I could totally see I that. love Munchkin, though. But no, that's right. I mean, like, Dimitri's absolutely right. Like, this is a great golden age for board gaming. Do yourself a favor. Get out there. Go to a, a board game shop or even, like, Target has so many new board games that I've never seen before. Grab one that looks interesting. Play. You know? What's the problem in that? And uh, I mean, there's some really great simple ones. Uh, my recommendation is Zombie Dice. If it's very quick, it takes 10 seconds to learn. It takes 10 minutes to play. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also... Exploding pe- Kittens? Exploding Kittens. Um, and if you're looking for something a little more narrative-driven, absolutely Pandemic. 
Yeah, I like Dead of Winter personally. Oh, Dead of Winter, Dead of Winter. Yeah, that's but that's a little more uh, moderate, advanced. I played played the principal, and I was in the school, and I just got all the books, so I knew like karate and how to heal myself, and I was just like, (laughs) I'm gonna kill the zombies and keep the keep the group from like getting too many resources. (laughs) I felt like such a badass. So, uh, uh, Hero, I yes. know that you wanted to talk about something to close up this episode, uh, to talk about a topic of their own, of, of your own. Yes. Uh, you mind uh, telling us? Yeah, yeah. A little something? Yeah. So, the other day, um, yesterday, I was watching uh, The Flash season two with my mom. And uh, it was early on, you know, because there's so many fucking episodes. Um, but early on, uh, Harrison Wells of Earth 2, Harry, his introduction, he's giving a speech to the people of Earth 2. And in it, he says, we're in a new age, a new era, the era of metahumans. Um, and some have decided to be heroes and champions of good, but unfortunately, the vast majority have not. And I, that like struck me for a sec. Because, like, on some level, if you really think about it, how many superheroes are there? I'll give you a sec. There's a ton. Hundreds, perhaps. But how many supervillains are there? Like five? (laughs) There's six, and they're sinister. (laughs) Or there's four, and they're frightful. Um, But, no, usually every superhero has... Uh, a cadre of supervillains associated with him. And of course, the logical reason for that is, well, the superhero can't fight the same supervillain every week. They have to have a variety of things. But there's an interesting philosophical notion behind that of why are there more villains than heroes? What is it about power that corrupts, because we hear that notion in comic books a ton, in film a ton, in video games a ton, even in board games it comes up. Uh, power corrupts. And I think the, the current media, by exploring the notion of power and heroism, has caused this kind of philosophical notion to kind of get thrown back up into the forefront. And about 2,000 years ago, a guy named Plato, he actually answered this question. Um, In The Republic, he wrote a parable called The Ring of Gyges, which is about a farmer by the name of Gyges who falls into a cave and finds a ring. When he puts the ring upon his finger, he becomes invisible. Hmm. And Gyges uh, is filled with optimism when he first has this power that he will finally be able to do the good that has not been done in his society. He'll be able to prevent people from stealing his goats. He'll be able to um, catch criminals and things like that. And he tries. And the thing he does is he sees that the king of this community is corrupt, so he kills him. And because he's invisible, he has utter immunity. He can kill him without any consequence. And then, of course, Plato then argues, is the ability to take a man's life inherently good or evil? And the philosophical notion becomes, if something is good, does it need to be done in the shadows or in invisibility? Does good require power to do, or can the powerless do good without it? Um, And so this kind of philosophical notion has existed since then. What would happen if you had powers? Uh, You know, we see this all the time. Um, And it's interesting how it kind of presents itself. Our our society, um, 
as it is based off of uh, the Greek uh, classical tradition and philosophy, Pluto argued there is no good that comes from power. Uh, the normal man is the moral man, and as soon as you give him power, he becomes corrupt. He is corrupted by it, because the story ends with Gaiji becoming a very bad guy until he loses the ring. Um, and so we see that kind of as a philosophical notion that just carries through all mythology. Anytime someone, mythology, fiction, literature, anytime someone has power, they become corrupted by it. Until uh, we have the notion of the superhero come in. And the superhero is the ultimate exemption of that. But then we have the reality that there are more supervillains than there are superheroes. And I guess, it paints a bleak kind of picture of the superhero worlds, of the Marvel Universe, of the DC Universe, that, you know, in the Marvel Universe, there are mutants. And there is some degree of justification in being afraid of the mutants because, philosophically speaking, it, power corrupts. And if you could do good, you would just do it the only reason you would do something outside of your normal behavior is there is no more consequence for your actions, which then opens you up to do bad things. And that's why, from a philosophical standpoint, you could argue there are more villains than superheroes. So my question to you guys would be, if you had a superpower, what would it be? And if you had that superpower, would you use it for good or would you use it for yourself? For me, I've thought long and hard about, you know, you could have the most simplest of superpowers and it still takes you, you know, um, it puts you far ahead of any mortal man, right? Oh, yeah. You could, you could have a superpower just to know when people are lying and that's very simple, right? Mm -hmm. But extrapolate that and think about the applications of that power and suddenly you know when anyone ever is lying ever they don't need to know that you know even right you just know it's a lie right it's something so simple it could it could be that your finger hurts when somebody tells a lie like that seems so simple right but you know it and that's a, something that other people don't have right mm -hmm. you could take any crazy power and put any like huge stipulation on it you can fly only if um uh, your wife is giving birth at that moment. Like, I don't know. But you can, that's something that other people can't do. And there's, you could apply that to something, right? right. So I think uh, it doesn't matter what power I have in that respect. I could wish for, like, I know what, like, having grown up with comics and everything, right? Like, I've thought long and hard about what the most powerful power would be oh, yeah. and what the power that I would, would have the most fun with, would have the most fun with flying. Flying, I think, would be fun. Yeah. But flying with stipulations, I would have to be able... I can go in the upper atmosphere and that sort of thing without dying, right? Mm -hmm. um, also, um, yeah. So, point being is, it doesn't matter what power I have. What I would do with it, though, uh, is, is something that, like, Hero and I have talked about in the past. Um, uh, just, I think that people would distrust me. And I would keep my powers secret. I wouldn't not I wouldn't come out as Superman. I would more be like in the shadows as Batman, as probably some sort of vigilante in that sense. If I had a power that allowed me um, super speed only in five second bursts, like I could use that to my advantage, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I would train that, but I wouldn't make it seem like I had powers. Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting. Like, what do you mean your advantage? Well, sorry, in what sense? Like, well, because Plato's point with it was um, if you want to be a good guy, if you want to be a vigilante, just go and be one. Power enables you to do things you are not capable of doing, which is inherently corruptive. So yes. if you had that power, even with your example, you would take the law into your own hands. Yes, and you would stop operating inside the social normatives of what is justice. You would impose a higher sense of justice that is your own sense of justice yes. and impose that on the rest of the world. Not the rest of the world, the immediate vicinity, yes. Yeah. But that's to say that all laws are just or that, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, this is deep philo- philosophical, well, social. Yeah, that's why I brought it yeah. up. Um, but yes, if if corruption, because this goes into like when people are like, well, if you do something illegal, you are a criminal. Well, what if the illegal thing is shouldn't be illegal in the first place? You're yeah. still a criminal yeah. just by the fact that you're doing something illegal. Like a jaywalking ticket would make you a criminal, right? Technically, you broke the law, man. You're yeah. a criminal. Well, yeah, that's the interesting thing. Like, uh, you could look at someone like um, Captain Cold, who's just trying to feed himself and the people he cares about. That is a very amoral way to look at living your life. But the Flash, the alternative, takes laws into his own hands. He has decided that there are limitations to what the laws can do. And simply because he can move fast, he is above the law, which is more dangerous to society. A guy who is using the power that he has to benefit himself or the guy who is using the power he has to impose a new order to the rest of the world? The answer, I think, is both. The, you know, the statement of, or the old adage that absolute power corrupts absolutely. You know, it, it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? It, it, holding yourself to that higher standard, yes, but, um, for instance, yeah, like the Flash, it works. He works with the police. He was a CSI. Yeah, was they? D- they don't know that though. Huh? Yeah, he's not deputized. Well, I guess he is in some iterations. Yeah, some iterations. he is a vigilante. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> no, no. Th- well, I mean, that's <laughs> the interesting thing because the the logical philosophical conclusion is everyone is a supervillain with powers, even Superman, Wonder Woman. Captain America, because they step outside of what the collective, the Republic, has deemed these are the laws and here's how we enforce them, they are just as bad, if not worse, because they're imposing their personal views on the world. Unless unless you're deputized, though. Unless you are deputized. It, but uh, even yeah. then. Captain America but is. But even then, like, that is... That is problematic. It's an interesting oh, yeah. thing. Um, if you're fascinated by it, I, I, I recommend picking up Plato's The Republic. He has a lot of very interesting ideas, but uh, I just thought I was thinking about that um, with The Flash. Yeah. Uh, I think it brings up a lot of great points that, I mean, you could do a whole like NPR series oh, right yeah, on, on this alone. Like, Can you Someday. imagine? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, if anyone, I mean, as far as like... Uh, this show is concerned. We we are out of time for today. Uh, once again, I'd like to say thank you guys for uh, listening to The Keeg. Uh, it really means a lot to us that whoever's listening on the other end is listening, right? Uh, feel free, like, comment, subscribe on uh, all, you know, all or even one of our social media uh, sites. We have Facebook, which is facebook.com slash thekeeg. 
We have, have our Instagram and our Twitter, which is at The Keeg Show. We also have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Keeg. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on SoundCloud now, soon to be on Stitcher. Whoa. Yeah, we are, we're on all of those, right? So you can listen to our podcast one time on each thing if you really wanted to. Give us the views. Give us the likes. Give us the comments. Hashtag The Keeg. On Twitter, talk to us, yeah, right? Please, yeah, if you really us. loved us, you would do all that. Yeah, just yeah, you listen would. to every single one. <laughs> also, if you really hated us, you would do the same thing. It would just be negative. Yeah. So I'll take it. Give us way. questions, yeah. comments, concerns. We want to hear what you guys uh, want to hear, right? So if you guys really are like, I wonder what hero's viewpoint on um, communism and how it relates to the superhero uh, universe, well, I'm, I'm sure Hero would love to talk I, about I that. I have some ideas. Yeah, there we go. So uh, please feel free, interact with us. Like, we want to hear what you guys want to hear. So, so talk to us again, like, comment, subscribe, do all that great stuff. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening to us. Um, before we leave, I wanted to say thank you to Daniel. Daniel, uh, thank you for being on this show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, where where can uh, people see you next or hear you next or whatever? Uh, so uh, let's see. Hopefully they will be seeing me in uh, Whittier Community Theater's production of Guys and Dolls. The auditions are coming up, so we'll Dude. see. Ooh, yes. Okay. Well, Wh- which one will you be? Uh, well, it's... I'm auditioning for several parts, so we'll see the what guy, I get. The guy? The, the, the guy, guy or the doll? Or the, I'm auditioning as the guy. You're a doll. Yeah, I wish that would be great. He's <laughs> actually awesome. auditioning as Lady Macbeth. If luck could be a lady. If oh, luck okay. could be, yeah, that would be that would be what that would be great. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I just we just had a brief theater. Yeah, know, yeah, thing. yeah. Uh, it so happens. yeah, thanks, it uh, thanks for coming on the show, Daniel. Really appreciate it. Hero, where can we see you next? Yes. Or hear you. Well, if you are in the Orange County area, you can catch me every Friday night at the Chance Theater in the Anaheim Hills, where I host Laugh Chance at 1030. It's a fantastic comedy team. You can follow them at Laugh Chance on Twitter. Also, I am part of another comedy group called Fancy Hobo. You can follow them at Fancy Hobo Improv. And if you want to see a different side of me, um, more politically serious, uh, kind of socially focused, um, and occasionally posting some weird shit that's funny and awkward. You can follow me myself on Twitter at Hero is my Namo. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, thank you guys once again for listening in. Once again, I am your host, Dimitri Pereira, and this has been The Keeg.